From hook and bullet to policy and science, we're here to discuss and dissect all matters of importance to Montana's rugged landscape and the people and wildlife that call it home. This is Montana Untamed. After historically low counts of brown and rainbow trout were found in three popular stretches of the Big Hole River, people have begun rallying around the 153-mile Freestone River in southwest Montana. There's still pessimism for what the future holds, but the response has been positive. People want to find a solution and do what they can to pump life back into the famous Blue Ribbon Trout Stream. Nationwide fly fishing brands have joined the rallying cries, and there appears to be momentum building within the state, whether it be state-funded or privately funded groups. The energy is good and necessary to carry out this all-hands-on-deck effort. But where will we be two months from now when the heat really takes a toll on the big hole and its trout? What happens in two years when the big hole no longer dominates the fly fishing news cycle? Will the state keep funding projects? to their completion? There are still a lot of unknowns and concrete answers are still years away. But in the meantime, I have Matt Kiwit, managing editor of the Montana Standard newspaper, an independent record newspaper, who has been following um, the river uh, in this recent news cycle and has some answers and can kind of catch us up um, from where we left off on the last podcast episode about the big hole river so matt since the last time we talked about the big hole um what has happened um since those fish counts that we had talked about in may so like you mentioned people have noticed and there there have been several meetings there was an initial meeting where fisheries administrator eileen rice came to butte and, and to her credit, faced uh, what was reportedly, you know, a, a pretty critical crowd um, at, that who wanted answers and they wanted answers now. Um, and, 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 you know, she took questions, but, you know, obvi- obviously we don't have, we won't have answers immediately. And she, she acknowledged all the concerns, she, you know, especially the low flow and warm water. And she pointed toward uh, some possible regulations from FWP so as to reduce the stress the trout are feeling. And, and that messaging sequence, you know, has kind of put people up in arms and we'll get to that later. And there was an open letter signed by over 30 guides and outfitters. And it, it was sent to newspapers and it, it, and it was pressing Governor Greg Gianforte um, to, you know, begin it, what they were calling an all hands on deck investigation. And a couple of weeks later, the people, you know, people want results now. They didn't get get the result there. They, they didn't get the response they were hoping for. And so a privately funded organization called Save Wild Trout was formed. It's a it's a coalition of brands, fly shops, outfitters, et cetera, uh, who, who, according to the website, are working to engage everyone who values wild trout and healthy rivers to develop science-based solutions that address cold water fisheries, fisheries declines, and protects these resources for future generations. And obviously the Big Hole reports sparked this, but it's been noted that the Beaverhead and Ruby Rivers are at historic lows in terms of those trout populations as well. 
according to recent fish counts. And uh, soon after the announcement came of Save, Save Wild, the formation of Save Wild Trout, we got a response from Gianforte. And he essentially did what Eileen Rice did in Butte. He acknowledged what people have been saying and what he'd been hearing. He acknowledged warm water, low flows, but then once again pivoted to FWP's emergency regulations that had since been implemented. And it kind of began the same rhetoric of people saying, well, you know, that's only half, that's the only partial solution to this problem. And so on, on June 21, at the Big Hole Watershed Committee's monthly meeting, FWP biologist Jim Olson, he outlined a proposal which is being finalized that FWP is calling a fisheries mortality study, and it'll be conducted on the Big Hole, Beaverhead, Ruby, and Madison Rivers. They're, they're including the Madison in there just to bolster sample size, and so they can track trends across four different uh, systems essentially and, and look for any patterns there. And, and so here we are, we're kind of in another wait and see period. Uh, we might get some results on possibly diseased fish, um, but we, we can talk about that too. Okay. So I want to know more about Olson's, uh, presentation. What were the main takeaways there? Um, and what will this, uh, proposed study really focus on? So it's set to get underway in May 2024, you know, which is another reminder that we are years away from answers, and this is a years-long endeavor. Olson, during his presentation, reminded us, you know, again and again, he reminded me during an interview, you know, we're three or four years out from fully formed answers. Hmm. You know, we'll have we'll have an answer soon or answers after a year, but you know those answers, I put in air quotes, are not that useful without more data points in sort of this ever-expanding data set. And so, and then second, it seems like the these rivers are, are, are a priority uh, among state officials. Additional personnel has been added to this project, either within FWP or by way of researchers from Montana State University, who FWP has been consulting with and sort of collaborating with on this mortality study that they're in the process of finalizing. And so they had in the presentation, again, this is what they're proposing. The main bullet points uh, were catch and release mortality, direct angling mortality, role of disease and potential causes. They outlined what they're calling a riverwide creel survey um, for 2023. And then the adaptive modeling management, disease research, and tributary research studies. So tell me more about the, the, the bullet point that isn't self-explanatory in there. Yeah, so, you know, obviously, you know what disease, disease and mortality is, and that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, but something like adaptive management modeling caught my eye, and it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, something, um, you know, that could yield, that, that'll yield results based on past data, essentially. Um, last year, FWP hired this, a, a PhD named Donovan Bell, who's a quantitative ecologist, and he's, be, he's being shifted over to this project to analyze past data and develop uh, some sort of model that will highlight which specific stressors are 
are killing these fish, whether it be flow, angling related mortality, etc. Okay, and you know, we previously talked about and we've published photos of uh, the zombie fish people have been seeing. Are we any closer to knowing if there is an active fungal or parasitic outbreak in the river? Yeah, so the zombie fish, you know, they, I, according to a couple guides I've talked to, they, they've kind of been a pseudonym for a while after the most recent fungal outbreak in the big hole was said to be eradicated around 2017. They've still been seeing these zombie fish, and it's been a fairly common occurrence on the river. If you float or wade, you'll, you'll probably come across them at some point. And, and so where we left off in late May is U.S. Fish and Wildlife, Wildlife Service was without this specialized pathologist called a hispopathologist, and they were without one in Montana. So these zombie fish samples collected in fall of 2022 were just sitting in the Bozeman lab with no one to, you know, conduct the proper tests. You know, um, they could conduct other tests on them, which they said they have done. But what you really need to do is a you know specialized t- tissue study um, to determine whether or not they they're infected with some sort of you know fungal infection or parasite. And so, um, but after, so FWP is searching for a long-term fix for this, uh, for this, you know, vacant position. Uh, but they did find something in the short term, uh, a guy by the name of Michael Penn, who works in a wildlife service lab in Pennsylvania. They have tentatively agreed upon with, uh, on terms with him, uh, which will allow him to analyze these samples that were collected last fall. So hopefully we can get an answer to that question and that, and, and that will kind of uh, tell us which way we need to go in the immediate future. So how, how are people that, you know, you guys have been talking to feel about this mortality study that Olson presented? They seem to be reasonably pleased with the, you know, the study itself. Obviously, there is pessimism and, and a little negativity on other things in the in the in this um, you know environment. But you know, as for the study itself, at least the folks I've talked to, they're interested and they think it makes sense. And they say, you know, if it, if it's carried out and the these bullet points are are all covered, it, it should paint a, a pretty clear picture. It's just a matter of if they'll be able to carry it out over the course of four years or, you know, if something gets in the way and they can't, then what happens? But, you know, as it is proposed and if it's completed, people are pleased and they think it makes sense. Okay. So generally speaking, you know, we've talked about all of the, you know, a lot of the finger pointing and the uproar and the rallying um, by, you know, special interest groups, outfitters and the public. Are people more satisfied as we are where we are now, um, you know, in July than they were back in May. Yeah, I mean, maybe satisfied to a, a degree in that it's, you know, officials are acknowledging their 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 pleas and and there seems to be a plan in motion. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't say people are satisfied across the board. You know, I mentioned earlier the state officials had messaging that especially irked the guides and, and outfitters. Mm-hmm. They would say, you know, the sequence has been consistent where they say low flows in warm water 
is scientifically proven to be driving, you know, a driving force in these declines. Olson mentioned his in his presentation, he said water is driving the bus. And and then so but all we have are emergency fishing regulations, which the guides will will tell you, you know, it's hurting, hurting business and just hurting overall enjoyment of their clients. And so, you know, it's and, and, I, and in my opinion, it's a fair gripe. They've pointed out that the problem is only being partially addressed and they and which kind of implies that, you know, s- some of the ranching community might be over irrigating and, and there's, you know, other folks in this who need to be regulated as well. And and admittedly, I, I know probably not not as much as as others about the practices of the ranching community. This is just what's being told to me. So. So I would like to dig a little deeper into what you're mentioning there. Um, you know, we all know that it's not just the trout um, that use the river to make a living and the guides and outfitters that use the river to make a living, but ranchers themselves use the water from the river to make a living. Where where are the ranchers in, you know, uh, the agricultural community in in all this? Right. So, yeah, to be clear, you know, we, we, we have tried to I, I have calls out to a couple uh, and, you know, but generally speaking, uh, this, you know, this is according to Pedro Marquez, who, who's kind of been my source speaking on behalf of ranches in the Big Hole Valley, as he is executive director of the Big Hole Watershed Committee. He's pointed out that, you know, ranchers tend to be a bit more reserved, especially, you know, you'll see more guides and outfitters out who are more boisterous on, on social media and stuff like that. But it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the ranching community is just sitting there and, and watching this unfold, right? You know, they want water in the river because it's such a fundamental part of what they do in keeping their crops alive. And, you know, the, the last thing they want is, you know, federal regulations on their on their water rights. And, and what better way to do that than to see a trout or a grayling population, you know, disappear? That's a good way to get people from Washington or Denver uh, kind of poking around. And so you know, that's even a good, a, a substantial reason of why the Big Hole Watershed Committee was formed in the first place is to, you know, right the ship on the Arctic grayling. Right, right. And keep keep those those decisions and the, the, the conservation in, you know, local, local hands, as it were, um, versus, mm. uh, you know, having hands tied by federal agencies. So what is next? in this saga kind of in a wait wait and see mode i guess i mean first first we'll get word that uh the fisheries mortality study is finalized and we'll have some official language that'll be available to the public that fwp will release and you'll be able to see a much more detailed outline of what's going to go down uh, more detailed than what i was able to ramble off to you just now and I'm, and I'm told that FWP doesn't need to go through the commission on this for approval. And they, they just need the, the signature of their own director and the governor to sign off. And, and I guess it's all systems go. And so once the study is officially official, uh, we can see it. And, and I'm also told by their comms department, they will, there has been, you know, um, talks of them providing more updates along the way. So, you know, during a years long study, people start to wonder, you know, are they, you know, if there's silence, like, are they, what's going on here? Are they, are they doing anything? Right. And so, um, you know, kind of a wait and see. We'll, 
we'll see what kind of lab results we get back on the zombie fish. If it turns out to be an outbreak, that that's huge news. That'll, you know, that's going to be a material change in, Mm -hmm. in what unfolds this summer. And then we'll watch to see if the river has water in it for the rest of the year. We had a, we've had a wet year so far. We're Mm -hmm. above average in flows, but there's no dam or water storage on the big hole. So that doesn't really guarantee anything for the rest of summer. It might be 90 and dry starting now through September. Right. And, or it could keep raining like it has been and it, and it could be great. It's who knows. And so I'm sure, and I'm sure we'll hear something from save wild trout once, you know, once the study from F, mortality study from FWP is released and, you know, maybe they'll have some gaps that they wish to fill in or something like that. Well, all right. Thanks for coming on, Matt, and uh, keeping us surprised on one of our favorite rivers in southwest Montana. Happy to be here. Montana Untamed is a podcast from the newsrooms of Lee Enterprises Montana Newspapers. Visit any of our websites or subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.